welcome to this week's episode of Humans Discuss Being. My name is Eve Darcy. Last week's episode was all about attachment styles, kind of an introduction to the different types of attachment styles one can have. This week I'm going to continue with attachment styles information. This is going to be a podcast about delving a little bit more into the insecure anxious attachment style, the insecure avoidant attachment style, how to develop a secure attachment style because it is possible to change your attachment style during your life thanks to awareness, neuroplasticity, maybe therapy might be needed. Just this knowledge in general and a willingness to change and reflect is can be sufficient. I'm also going to do a little bit on effective communication, like what that is, what that looks like in a relationship, all of that kind of stuff. So hopefully some of this will be of benefit to someone. Just to say as well, you know, the attachment styles, they're not as perhaps prescriptive as they may seem. You know, you may have elements or traits from a number of attachment styles at once. Certainly as you're working on changing from an insecure to a secure attachment style, you would maybe oscillate between styles a little bit as you're changing. Obviously, you know, you wouldn't change from a secure to an insecure attachment style. That would be bonkers and not helpful for anyone. So you just really need to change it if you're an insecure attachment style. And yeah, so basically like all these things like attachment styles and like all these different things, they're, you know, better used as more frames of reference rather than like set in stone like diagnostic things like never able to change sort of description of a person you know like in therapeutic terms they're useful as a way of describing where a person is at maybe explaining a little of where they're coming from and just kind of providing that why you know like why they're presenting like this but it's not really meant as this is the way you are this is why and you'll never change this is you'll be this forever that's not what attachment style is meant to be about at all So I guess just to give a little bit more information on overcoming an insecure attachment style. So you'll probably remember from last week, there's secure, insecure, avoidant, insecure, anxious and disorganized. So overcoming an insecure attachment style. So like no one has to be a victim of their past, right? Like no one is unable to change or grow. A person who does not have a naturally secure attachment style can work on what's called earned security, which means developing a secure style through relationships and interactions in adulthood. So, for example, security can flourish in the context of friendships and psychotherapy. When a person undertakes psychotherapy, a therapist helps them identify past traumas, recognize where their behaviors are anchored and move forward in life with a more positive self-view and positive worldview. This work will ultimately help the individual learn to form healthy, secure attachments. To earn security, you have to develop a coherent narrative about what happened to you as a child. So you'll know from last week's episode, it states that you know John Balby's theory of attachment and many others like subsequent research have supported this, that your attachment style is formed in childhood and it's related to your primary caregiver 
how they cared for you as a child. So if you have one of the insecure attachment styles, you will need to look at that. And that is not an easy thing to do, right? Like it kind of calls us to question our parents and that's a delicate area for a lot of people. People get very defensive about that. They don't really want to go there. And it's also quite hurtful. Like that's what's underneath the defense of it. You know, but you do need to explore the impact that your childhood has had on the decisions you might have unconsciously made about how to survive in the world. You will need to think critically about how your upbringing affected your attachment style and work on breaking those patterns. And, you know, this is a part of the process of this, you know, kind of looking back on your past and maybe how you were reared and your parents' treatment of you and all that kind of stuff. That can bring up a lot of feelings, uncomfortable emotions, things like that. But, you know, it's all part of the process. You eventually come to learn and realize and accept, you know, your parents are humans. They did their best with what they had available to them at their time. And their best was good enough at the time. You know, now you might know better. You want you might want better for yourself. That's okay. So thanks to neuroplasticity, the brain will begin to change as a person changes their behavior patterns and their beliefs. A person who is insecurely attached can build the security they need by integrating new, supportive, loving experiences into their lives. With time, they will be able to trust that a reliable and consistent person, such as a partner, for example, will be there for them in times of distress. So sort of the opposite experience of what they had as a child. Establishing earned security after a lifetime of insecure attachment patterns can be tough, obviously. While it requires risk-taking and vulnerability, it can also bring you to the kind of love and security you have always wanted. An earned, secure attachment style can forever change your life and your relationships for the better. So now I'm just going to talk a little bit on the insecure anxious attachment style and I'm not going to go too much into these today like I said a great resource is the attached book by Dr Levine and Rachel Heller um, that's really good it's a very very good resource but just to give you an example of the type of behaviors that an adult with an insecure avoidant attachment style might kind of show um, Insecure anxious as well, insecure anxious, insecure avoidant. So these are kind of more the, the protest behaviors. So this is when you have an insecure attachment style and you let that insecure attachment system get the better of you. So, you know, you might behave in these kind of ways if you're maybe insecure anxious. So excessive attempts to establish and re-establish contact with the person. So like calling, texting many times, waiting for a phone call, you know, all that kind of stuff, just a little bit much. Another adult behavior that you might have in with an insecure attachment style could be withdrawing. So kind of sitting silently engrossed in the paper, like turning your back on your partner, not speaking, all that kind of stuff, like ignoring them. And obviously all of these are like unhealthy, right? Like this is not, I've not been like, these will help you in a relationship. No, they won't. These are not healthy behaviors. It's just more to say that these are behaviors that 
adults exhibit in relationships at times. So if you see yourself or your partner exhibiting these behaviours, then, you know, you might just need to reflect on the why and the maybe attachment style that you might have that's encouraging you to behave like this. Other kind of behaviours will be keeping score. For example, paying attention to how long it took your partner to return your phone call or your text and then waiting just as long to return theirs. Uh, so kind of just gaming, like things like that. Acting hostile, that's another thing, like, for example, rolling your eyes when they speak, looking away, getting up, leaving the room when they're talking, you know, like things like that. That's acting hostile. Other things that would be unhealthy would be like threatening to leave. So like making threats, um, you know, we're not getting along. I don't think I can do this anymore. So just basically it's things that will just really create a, an insecure sort of heightened anxiety kind of situation you know other things would be manipulations like for example acting busy or unapproachable ignoring phone calls saying you've plans when you don't you know things like that so they're all things that adults in with insecure attachments might exhibit in behaviors also another one would be making your partner feel jealous so like making plans to get together with an ex for lunch, going out with friends to a singles bar, telling your partner about someone who hit on you that day, you know, all these kind of things, like just trying to make them feel feel a little bit jealous. So they're all things that an adult with an insecure, anxious attachment style, they're the kind of behaviours they might exhibit in a relationship or dating someone. This next bit is going to be kind of what's termed a coaching session for the anxious attachment style, like on a date or dating or in a relationship with someone. Really, it's important for the insecure, anxious person, well, everyone, obviously, but particularly for this person to acknowledge and accept their true relationship needs. The key to finding a partner who can fulfill those needs is to first fully acknowledge your need for intimacy availability and security in a relationship and to believe that they're legitimate that you're entitled like they're neither good nor bad they're just simply your needs don't let people make you feel guilty for acting you know quote-unquote needy or dependent don't be ashamed of feeling incomplete when you're not in a relationship or for wanting to be close to your partner and to depend on them next use this knowledge Start assessing people you date on the basis of their availability to meet those needs. Instead of thinking how you can change yourself in order to please your partner, as so many relationship books advise, all that kind of stuff, you can maybe just ask yourself, can this person provide what I need in order to be happy? Now, obviously, really, you know, you need to be able to provide that for yourself first, but, you know, it can be done in a relationship as well. Another thing would be, Recognise and rule out avoidantly attached people. Uh, like, obviously, this is if you're like early on dating someone and you see that they're avoidantly attached or perhaps avoidantly attached. You know, just cut them out, get rid of them as quickly as possible. <laughs> Bit more difficult if you're realising you're in a relationship with someone like that. And obviously, if you want to continue being in a relationship with them. So the second step is to recognise and rule out people with an avoidant attachment style early on. And there are some kind of, you know, like smoking guns that can indicate you're dating someone avoidant. So like these would be, they send mixed messages about their feelings towards you and about their commitment to you. They kind of long for an ideal relationship, but give subtle hints that it won't be with you. They desperately want to meet the one 
but somehow always find some fault in the other person or in the circumstances that makes commitment impossible. Like what I'm thinking of right now is like very typical, like kind of insecure, anxious and insecure avoidant relationship is like Carrie and Big in Sex and the City. That was quite a typical sort of one. Another smoking gun that insecure, anxious people should look out for dating an insecure, avoidant person early on and get rid of them, as the advice is, is if they disregard your emotional well-being or your emotional needs. If they suggest that you're too needy, too sensitive or that you're overreacting, you know, that would be a smoking gun as well, because, you know, they're invalidating your feelings and perhaps making you second guess yourself. They might ignore things that you say that inconvenience them. They don't respond or they just change the topic. So they're just avoiding things that they don't want to talk about or to think about or whatever. They might address your concerns as if like, you know, in a court of law kind of thing. So they respond to the facts of what you're saying without taking your feelings into account. Another smoking gun would be your messages just don't get across to them. Despite your best efforts to communicate your needs, they don't seem to get the message or else they ignore it, either consciously or unconsciously, choosing or not choosing. Note that it is not specific behaviours that threaten to become smoking guns, but rather it's an emotional stance. It's an ambiguity about you or the relationship or a disregard of, of your emotional needs or your emotions in general that goes hand in hand with a strong message that your emotional needs are not important to them you know so that's more what it is and they may say the right things at times like this is kind of classic avoidantly attached person they would be able to say the right things at the right times but it's their actions that tell a different story so in the section later on with the effective communication this is particularly what well, is good for everyone obviously but particularly good for insecurely attached kind of anxious people so effective communication really really is very very important for those people with that attachment style so another kind of coaching tip for people with insecure anxious attachment styles would be to just really be your authentic self and use effective communication so this is about like just expressing your needs and most anxious people they easily fall into the trap that you know relationship books and society at large set for them they feel that they are too demanding and needy and so they try to accommodate their partner's need for distance and boundaries like for example if they're involved with someone avoidant because that's simply more socially acceptable to maintain like a cool self-sufficient facade so they hide their own wishes and mask their discontent and you know when you do that in actuality you are missing out when you do this because by expressing those needs, you achieve two goals. First, you're being your authentic self, which obviously will contribute to your own general feelings of happiness and fulfillment. And being happy and fulfilled is obviously probably one of the most attractive traits you can offer a partner. Second, and no less important, once you are your authentic self, if your partner is capable of meeting your genuine needs, you can determine that early on. Not everyone has relationship needs compatible with your own, and that's fine. Let them find someone else who wants to be kept at arm's length, and you can go about finding someone who will make you happy. So this is the great thing about learning about your attachment style, 
and obviously if it's insecure or anxious you know you would try to work towards developing an, a secure attachment with yourself and with your partner but you know if the perhaps insecure avoidant person you're dating if they're not on board for this change and, and putting in this work well then you know you might just need to go with someone else that just has to be what has to happen sometimes okay so that was all to do with the insecurely anxious person insecurely attached anxious person so now I'm going to talk a little bit more about the insecure avoidantly attached person much like how I started with the insecure anxious person just some of the things some of the behaviors that an adult person with an insecure avoidant attachment style might exhibit when dating someone or in relationship with someone so some of these kind of things and this is just I'm just going to read them out and you can just ask yourself oh do I do this or you know whatever so for example saying or thinking oh I'm not ready to commit but staying together nonetheless sometimes for years Focusing on small imperfections in your partner, so like the way they talk, dress, eat, whatever. And allowing it to get in the way of your romantic feelings. Another thing would be pining after an ex, which is called like the phantom ex term. Another thing would be flirting with others, and this is obviously quite a hurtful way to introduce insecurity into the relationship. Not saying I love you, while implying that you do have feelings towards another person, for example. Pulling away when things are going well, like for example, not calling for several days after an intimate date. Another thing might be forming relationships with an impossible future, such as with someone who's married. Checking out mentally when your partner is talking to you. Keeping secrets and leaving things foggy. And this is, you know, people do this to maintain their feeling of independence. Avoiding physical closeness, so for example, not wanting to share the same bed, not wanting to have sex, several, walking several strides ahead of your partner, you know, things like that, which, my word, that's rude. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, if you're avoidant, these small everyday, what are called deactivating strategies are tools you unconsciously use to make sure that the person that you love or will love, that you're dating, basically that they won't get in the way of your autonomy. But at the end of the day, these strategies are standing in the way of you being happy in a relationship. The use of deactivating strategies alone is not enough to keep attachment at bay. They're just the tip of the iceberg. As an avoidant, your mind is governed by overarching perceptions and beliefs about relationships that ensure a disconnect with your partner and get in the way of your happiness. Something else about the insecure, avoidant, the attached person. I guess this might be helpful. Like, imagine if you were a parent and, like, just couldn't for the life of you read your infant's cues. You wouldn't be able to tell whether your child was hungry or tired, wanting to be held or to be left alone, if they were wet or sick. Like, how difficult life would be for both of you. Your child would have to work so much harder and cry so much longer to be understood. And the reason I said that is because like having an avoidant attachment style can often make you feel like that particular parent, like that kind of a person. Avoidantly attached people are not strong at translating the many verbal and nonverbal signals that they might receive during everyday interactions into a coherent understanding 
of their partner's mental and emotional state. The problem is that along with your self-reliant attitude, you also train yourself not to care about how the person closest to you is feeling. You figure that this is not your task, that they need to take care of their own emotional well-being. This lack of understanding leads partners of avoidance to complain about not receiving enough emotional support. It also leads to less connectedness, warmth and satisfaction in the relationship. Like, obviously, that makes sense. So that's all about insecure avoidant attachment style and insecure anxious earlier on. Next, I'm going to talk about secure attachment style. This amazing, beautiful thing that I assume everyone wants to be. So some of the traits that a securely attached person might display would be great conflict busters. So for example, like during a fight, they don't feel the need to act offensively or to injure or punish the partner. So they prevent the situation from escalating. Number two, they're mentally flexible. They're not threatened by criticism. They're willing to reconsider their ways and if necessary, revise their beliefs and strategies. Three, they're effective communicators. They expect others to be understanding and responsive. So expressing their feelings freely and accurately to their partners comes naturally to them. Four, they're not game players. They want closeness and believe others want the same. So why play games? Five, they're comfortable with closeness. They seek intimacy and aren't afraid of expressing that need. And because they aren't overwhelmed by a fear of being slighted, for example, like the anxious person, or the need to deactivate, like the avoidant person, they find it easy to enjoy closeness, whether physical or emotional. Number six, they're quick to forgive. They assume their partner's intentions are good and are therefore likely to forgive them when they do something hurtful. Seven, they're inclined to view sex and emotional intimacy as one. They don't need to create distance by separating the two, by being close either emotionally or sexually, but not both. Eight, they treat their partners like royalty. When you've become part of their inner circle, they treat you with love and respect. Nine, they're secure in their power to improve the relationship. They are confident in their positive beliefs about themselves and others, which makes this assumption logical. And finally, 10, they're responsible for their partner's well-being. They expect others to be responsive and loving towards them, and so are, in turn, responsive to others' needs. With all these attachment styles, like I said last week, John Balby believed that attachment styles are a function of life experience, especially of our interactions with our parents during infancy. A person will develop a secure attachment style if their parents are sensitive and responsive to their needs. Such a child will learn that they can rely on their parents, they're confident that they'll be able to be there whenever they need them and to meet their needs. But Bobby maintained that it didn't end there. He believed that a secure child would carry this confidence into adulthood and future relationships with romantic partners. So obviously then, if you're in a relationship with someone, one of the most important roles that you play in your partner's life is providing a secure base, creating the conditions that enable your partner to pursue their interests and explore the world in confidence. So you too can provide a secure base by adopting some of the following secure behaviours. One, be available. Respond sensitively to their distress. Allow them to be dependent on you when they feel the need. Check in with them from time to time and provide comfort when things go wrong. Two, don't interfere. Provide behind the scenes support for their endeavors. 
help in a way that leaves them with the initiative and the feeling of power. Allow them to do their own thing without trying to take over the situation, micromanage or undermine their confidence and abilities. Three, encourage. Provide encouragement and be accepting of their learning and personal growth goals. Boost their self-esteem. So just a quick note on sort of the dangers of attachment stereotyping. So by dividing attachment behaviour along gender lines, we can fall into the common trap of equating avoidance with masculinity. Research findings, however, prove that there are many men who are far from being avoidant. They communicate freely, they're loving and affectionate, they do not retreat during conflict and are consistently there for their partner, i.e. they're secure. Another misperception is that we associate the anxious attachment style with femininity, when in fact most women are secure and there are plenty of men who have an anxious attachment style also. However, it is important to keep in mind that there are also women who fit the avoidant description. When it comes to attachment and gender, the most important fact to remember is that the majority of the population, both male and female, are secure. So that's nice to know, encouraging. So this brings me on to the last section of the podcast that I'm going to talk about, which is on effective communication, what the hell that thing is and how we do it. So effective communication works on the understanding that we all have very specific needs in relationships, many of which are determined by our attachment style. They aren't good or bad. They're simply what they are. If you're anxious, you have a strong need for closeness and have to be reassured at times that your partner loves you and respects you. If you're avoidant, you need to be able to maintain some distance, either emotional or physical, from your partner and preserve a large degree of separateness. In order to be happy in a relationship, we need to find a way to communicate our needs clearly without resorting to attacks or defensiveness. So why use effective communication? So it, it works to achieve two goals. One, it helps you choose the right partner. Effective communication is the quickest, most direct way to determine whether your prospective partner will be able to meet your needs. Your date's response to effective communication can reveal more in five minutes than you can learn in months of dating without this kind of disclosure. If the other person shows a sincere wish to understand your needs and put your well-being first, your future together has promise. If, however, they brush your concerns aside as insignificant or they make you feel inadequate, foolish or self-indulgent, you can conclude that this person doesn't sincerely have your best interests in mind and you are probably incompatible. The second goal is to make sure that your needs are met in the relationship whether it is a brand new one or one of long standing. By spelling out your needs, you are making it a lot easier for your partner to meet them. He or she doesn't need to guess whether something is bothering you or what that something is. So the beauty of effective communication is that it allows you to turn a supposed weakness into an asset. If you need to be reassured a lot that your partner loves you and is attracted to you, at least in the initial phase of relationship, Instead of trying to conceal this wish, because it's not socially acceptable, for example, to sound so needy, you state it as a given. When presented this way, you don't come off as either weak or needy, but you come off as self-confident and assertive. Of course, effective communication means that you communicate in a way that is inoffensive 
and does not put your partner on the spot, but allows them to be open with you without feeling attacked, criticized or blamed. Another advantage of effective communication is that it provides a role model for your partner. You set the tone for the relationship as one in which you can both be honest and in which each has a shared responsibility to look out for the other's well-being. Once your partner sees that you can be so open, they will hopefully follow suit. It's never too late to start effective communication to improve your relationship. It's one of the most powerful tools secure people use in their everyday life with their partners, kids, people at work, all that kind of stuff. With effective communication, you might not be able to solve a problem or resolve your differences in one shot, but you can judge immediately how important your well-being is to your partner. So these are just some five questions that you can ask yourself. So does he or she try to get to the bottom of your concerns? Does he or she respond to the issue at hand or do they try to avoid it? Do they take your concerns seriously or do they try to belittle you or make you feel foolish for raising them? Do they try to find ways to make you feel better or is he or she only busy acting defensive? Is he or she replying to your concerns only factually, as in a court of law, or are they also in tune with your emotional well-being? If your partner is responsive and genuinely concerned about your happiness and security, you have a green light to go ahead with the relationship. Hooray! If, however, your partner tries to evade important topics, acts defensively, makes you feel foolish or needy, you know, you should probably heed that as a quite serious warning sign. And, you know, really just know that you deserve better, right? You deserve to be in a healthy, secure relationship. So the next tiny little bit that I'm going to say is something about like why it's hard for people with an insecure style. So either the avoidant or the anxious one. Why is it so difficult for them to adopt effective communication? Like it seems like effective communication seems like a no brainer. Like after all, all people can do it once they set their mind to it, right? You would think. So it seems to just be a little bit easier for secure people. Often insecure people cannot get in touch with what is really bothering them. They get overwhelmed by emotions and they can act out. Studies have shown that people with a secure attachment style don't react so strongly, they don't get as overwhelmed and they can calmly and effectively communicate their own feelings and tend to the needs of their partners. Secure people also believe that they are worthy of love and affection and expect their partners to be responsive and caring. With those beliefs, it's easy to see why they don't let their negative thoughts take over, how they can stay calm and collected and assume the other person will react positively. How nice for them. I think, so that's it. That is all I have to offer for today. A little bit late getting this podcast out. A lot is happening in my world, but I hope this has been of some benefit for someone somewhere. I'm sure there's more I could have said in it, but that's just the general gist for now. Like I said, that attached book, really, really helpful. I definitely would recommend that. There are also two very good blogs, I guess, online. So there's one, it's from betterhelp.com and it says ways to create a secure attachment. So that's the title of it on that website. That would be a good read for people if you're interested in reading more. The other one is from mindbodygreen.com and the title of it is how to rewire your brain 
to have a secure attachment style. So really the important thing I feel to take home from all this is it's not a bad thing to be reflecting on your childhood and to maybe call into question uh, you know your parents and how things were like I said everyone was doing their best with what they had at the time you know they're just human all that kind of stuff another thing your attachment style is not necessarily set in stone it can change definitely and certainly worth putting in the effort for sure okay that's it I hope you've enjoyed the podcast take care <laughs>